Okay, welcome back, everybody, to the Chiropractic Freedom Show. And uh, I'm very uh, pleased today to bring you uh, Dr. Daniel Bai from Close for Cairo. Uh, Dr. Bai's work is is it's quite um, all over the place in terms of social media. I see you all over, and you know the, the, your um, your content is is ex- at a very high value, and it's you can see you have a good content strategy. Um, and I, f- I believe, I feel as if I know you and I know your business from your content and I, I always, and what you believe. And, uh, that's always a sign for me that somebody is skilled in this is that you, you get the perception of what someone believes. And we're going to discuss that a little bit today. Um, but Dr. By, before we get into, um, your our subject matter today, why don't you give us a little bit of a background about you and how you came to where you are today? Oh, thank you for that intro, Robert. That was probably the nicest compliment I've received in a long time um, because ultimately behavior never lies. And at a certain point, the truth comes out about what someone believes in and their value mm. system. Uh, and I completely agree with that. I'm going to say the same for you, Robert. I've been following you uh, for a while and what you're doing for chiropractors right now in terms of giving them another vehicle to express their passion and their purpose outside of their offices is pretty spectacular. So congratulations to all the work that you've been doing over the years. Uh, so my story is pretty simple. Um, I almost got out of practice three years in. And I, it's, it's taken me almost 15 years to really <clears throat> put my finger on why I almost left the profession. But every time I talk about this, it puts a little uh, frog in my throat because I still remember the feeling. I may have forgotten the things that happened, but the feeling is still there. And I hate to label it, but maybe it's a PTSD type of thing. But I often during a given week, I find myself in that moment of like, holy crap, I remember what that felt like. But that feeling was just overwhelm of discouragement, frustration, depression, because of the overwhelming level of rejection that I was um, experiencing, trying to provide something I knew was the answer for the people in my community. <laughs> and I laugh because it's like, holy cow. And in chiropractic, you know, if, depending on where you went to school, it's, I went to Life 2001, so home of the falling keys. It was like, mm-hmm. chiropractic is always right. Uh, if it doesn't work, it's the application of it. So I came with that, with bushy tailed wide eyed. I'm like, if I just do what I'm trained to do, it'll all freaking work out. But it wasn't. But at the end of the day, I realized, you know what? After I struggled with chiropractic is a problem. Uh, Quack watch was on the on the docket. I was like, maybe it's the product. Maybe it's a service. Okay. I reconciled all of that. It wasn't that. Ultimately, fast forward, it was me. And I could not get the person across from me to say yes to what I had to offer in a way that was consumable for them, where it was a good idea for them. Um, and that was my problem. And it took another couple of years to figure out what I, the problem I had was a sales problem. And that was another enormous cliff I had to jump off of because Dr. Robert, doctors don't sell. Sales is bad. It is evil. Sales means you're tricking someone and manipulating them into some doing something and buying something they truly don't need, want, or desire. That is unethical. That is not the pr- person I want to be. And so I had to struggle with the fact that I had a sales problem. That took me years. Oh, my goodness. 
finally, where I'm here today is once I embraced the fact that I had a sales problem, it opened up a whole different world of how we look at sales, how how bad it is in terms of the, the bad brand equity. And Dr. Robert, we're talking about chiropractic that suffers from poor brand equity. And I'm doing the same thing to another industry. And I had to look in, uh, in the mirror and be like, holy cow, how can I do that? All right, let me just, just dive in to the sales world, see what's there. And when I, when I got there, I realized it is not what I thought it was be. Sales is not about tricking people. Okay. That's bad sales. That's called manipulation and fraud. That's what that's called. But real sales is the quickest way and the easiest way for we, for us to connect a solution and a problem. That's it. Empirically. That's what it is. That is why it's taught at the top business schools in the world. I'm pretty sure they don't walk into class thinking, oh, how do I walk in here and learn how to trick people? Pretty sure they don't do that. Now, you can sell bad things like Oxycontin. Yeah, bad thing, okay? So sales is used to sell bad things. I understand that, but it's not really what sales is about. Sorry for the long windedness, but that's my story. It is so great to meet everyone that's listening right now. Thanks for uh, hopping on. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank you so much. And it's, I love what you've done there because this is the, this is where I wanted to start was the term sales and this ickiness feeling yeah. that it gives, especially people in the health profession. Yeah. You know, I was exactly the same. It was like, we don't sell. We just tell people what they need based on our expertise and they either do it or they don't do it. Um, but until someone redefined it for me, and it's quite similar to what you said, in, in terms from for me, sales is you you influencing someone to make a decision that's in their best interest. And you, there's no coercion or, or anything like that. And if you have a, a definition similar to that, if you truly believe that your product or service would help that person, then it's your responsibility to have the skill set to convey that, like you say, in a, in a manner that's understandable and that's similar, so simple, sorry, and gives that person the best chance to make the best decision for themselves. Right on. Now, it is not only your responsibility, Robert, it is your obligation and your duty. If you think your stuff is going to help that person, it's your duty to sell it properly. You know, it's, you can't skirt around that. And, it, and it's really then it's it's communication. Now, one question I had for you, because just correct me if I'm wrong, I came across your work, I believe, many years ago through your previous company. Was it called Everest? Yes. Yes. Now, one of your clients in the UK t told me about your, your product, and I had a look through it, and it was really high quality, and that was quite some time ago. Now, your new company is called Close for Cairo. That term is polarizing. Yes. Was that a conscious decision that you made to polarize and, and talk to me a little bit about that journey of going from Everest to close for Cairo and the, the intent around that and what it's created? Man, I am so excited right now because no one asks me that question. And obviously you are because you're in the business of developing incredibly high value uh, online systems for your clients. And I'm sure a lot of your clients listening right now are probably in the, the conundrum and the dilemma of trying to figure out what do I name myself? I understand. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's very intuitive of you. It was intentionally polarizing because I found out through Everest um, and the time before that, 
is that at least in chiropractic, I feel like, and maybe in, in the general e, you know, e-commerce world, is that we play in the middle far too much. It's just, in all the middle stuff, the bell curve stuff are all the things, if I could draw an analogy, are all the things that you and I and all of your listeners are swiping through on Instagram or Facebook mm. or TikTok that has no value because, okay, I'm going to use a marketing term here, that has no hook. Yeah. Okay. Now, hooks is a sales marketing term, but for you and I is that, is this thing talking to me? And at the same time, when we named it, I knew we were going to polarize the audience on people who absolutely abhor and hate the word close or sales, because mm. I knew it in my heart, those people were never going to be my clients. And I'm okay with that. Totally fine with that. And then you got the other more sophisticated people in the world of business that understand the word close and business, which don't mean negative things. It's a business term. It is a thing that's taught. And those are the people that are going to be, oh yeah, well, that's the closest thing to my problem. So I'm going to go there. Mm. So we shorten the distance between the people who are viable candidates for what we do and deter the people who never had a chance that I would never want to waste my time on. And by the way, when I say that, please understand, I love everybody. And I love mm. the people who hate me too. And it's another, maybe another episode Robert, should be how to deal with your haters because yeah. you know, all the trolls and haters I get because of my polarizing, you know, avatar, Oh man, what great content they give me, you know, it's incredible. So uh, that's the answer to how we named it. But yes, it was absolutely designed to be polarizing. And I'm, and uh, I'm so glad we did that. And, and there's such a massive lesson there, especially for clients that we are working with and, and you know, are starting with us. One of the, the big things is they are, they start often in very vanilla and yeah. they are scared of, uh, they've got a fear of criticism especially when you go online, I think a lot of chiropractors, especially have got this deep seated fear of online criticism, especially. Um, and, or they come from a scarcity mindset where they don't want to leave people out because then I won't have enough clients. Right. So what you've done there is the polarization is that you already are, you are attracting the people that believe what you believe, or like you said, the sophistication level that you work well with, and you're coming from an abundant mindset that there's more than enough people aligned with that that you potentially could serve and that comes into your name it comes into your marketing system your pricing everything needs to be aligned with the ideal client that you best serve and you've done that just with your name there and i, I really good and i knew you were going to answer like that and it, it's a there's a lot of value there in terms of even a chiropractic practice you know having your style of practice you know, the most successful chiropractors of all time, they've been very clear what they do, what they don't do. Yes, yes. And, uh, yes. They, they, you know, it's, I think of Reggie Gold, and it was extremely oh. clear. And uh, <laughs> he had no issue with lack of new patients, you know, and uh, absolutely. And he had a huge line in the sand. And he got a lot of hate. He had a lot of criticism, you know, uh, but that's the price you pay for greatness, you know. And I think most of our chiropractic brothers and sisters are just playing too small is that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, they're just playing too small. They don't put themselves out there. They don't stand by what they truly believe. Mm. And they don't put that out there, you know? And, um, but, you know, dealing with the criticism and in those fears is obviously another episode, if you would. But mm. 
Is that, that is something that you fun. is that something that you naturally have always been good at, or have you developed that? Oh, absolutely developed that. Like my my history is I'm a first generation immigrant for um a kid from South Korea. My parents came here when um I was about two or three years old. And in the 70s and 80s in America, the immigrant mentality was shh, don't rock the boat. Mm. Do not create confrontations. Do not cause any trouble because we're so lucky to be in this new world to build a new life and we don't want to screw it up. So, Dan, don't get into fights. Don't stand up for yourself. Mm. Just let people do whatever they want to do. So, I grew up with a non confrontational, middle of the road try to be liked, don't cause trouble. And that fed into my professional life, obviously. So I knew that needed to change. And so I had to embrace and learn a different way to, to do that. And so, yeah, to answer to your, answer to your question is I had to develop that by desperate need, okay? Not because I really knew at that point that that's really what I needed to do, but I'm so glad I did. That changed the trajectory of my career like in an instant when I realized that. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that it is something that you've developed through a journey and through learning lessons. That's not some natural characteristic that you've had your entire life. Right. Um, okay. So let, let's move into helping these docs, you know, with some stuff that they can use on Monday as is always yep. said at the seminars, but very often, very rarely does it actually come about. So we, we know that what sales is the new definition of it. Um, and we spoke off air about, and I thought that was really brilliant of you, you is that we put in this 80% of effort in our business and in building our practice or online business. And then there's this last 20%, which is exceptionally important. And that's where we tend to fall short. So maybe let's start with in, in your experience in working with doctors, what are the classic mistakes or the gaps in knowledge or experience that chiropractors have? that is affecting building their practice or the online business. Great. Now let's get down to a brass tacks. Uh, Robert, uh, what Robert is referring to is the 80% is let's say in your online business, um, you spend 80% of the time working with a Robert. And if you're not working with Robert, you should. And when you do work with him, I'm sure a lot of the time and effort is developing the product or the mm. service. Okay. Uh, the logistics, the platforms, the autoresponders, the, the, the click funnels, the point of sale, the messaging, <clears throat> the recording, you know, all that stuff. It's an enormous amount of work. Um, obviously, if you do it by yourself, it just takes, you know, forever. But even with help, it's just a lot of work. Mm. And then you have it done. Like you have this beautiful product, okay, that's going to save the world. And then now you are attracting leads, which is obviously what you should do. So you have ads out, you're speaking, you're podcasting, you're Instagramming, you're TikToking, whatever, and you're generating leads. Great. The lead comes in, they book a call or how, however you do your point of sale and you get in front of them. Now, everyone had a protocol for how you're going to deliver the service. In other words, even in chiropractic, everyone has a protocol on how you're going to deliver the chiropractic service, exam, x-rays, report of findings. Like, we know there's a protocol for that. There's a framework. It's relatively rigid in the beginning because you're a beginner, but mm. over time you get really good at it, but you still have a framework and now you get to improvise with it, but it's still the fundamentals of the fundamentals. The biggest uh, analogy I can give you is any musicians out there at a high level, 
when you play sheet music, at first, it's very rigid. It's very restricting. But as you get better at it, you start to bring your own liberties into it. Mm. And Jimi Hendrix, one of my favorite guitar players, one of the best improvisers in the a generational talent, um, he gets no credit for being such a fundamentalist with the theory of music, knowing exactly where the bass is, knowing exactly where the drums are. He was so in tune with the people around him, what they were doing, that that gave him the liberty to take that fundamental and make it even and transcend it to something even bigger and better. Mm -hmm. But in chiropractic and online business, we do all this work to get the fundamentals down. And then when we get to the sale part, when we're actually going into clients and say, hey, this is what I do, you have no framework. Mm -hmm. You wing it. You think being nice and respectable and accommodating is going to make them want what you have, that you spend 80% of your life to develop. And so they wing it. They completely miss the mark. They step on every frigging landmine available in the world of sales. And then at the end of this conversation or this sales cycle, uh, the prospect of the, the prospect lead, new patient, client, whatever, says, you know what? It's a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Or I need to go home and talk to my, my dog about this. Or, you know what? I think I'm just going to go home and think about it. And then they disappear forever. And then the, uh, the provider, um, you know, the vendor, whomever, the chiropractor is sitting there left thinking, what just happened? How could they say no to this? And so the, so the realization that uh, I want every, all the listeners to have is that you need still a framework on how to present what you do, the appropriate and ethical and transparent way that does not set off what I call the BS meter, mm -hmm. that does not force you to step on obvious landmines that other industries understand except for you so that to give your client prospect lead new patient whatever the highest probability to say yes to your specific solution your specific service and no one closes at 100 but certainly we got to do better than the the 30 something percent that's the in industry standard that is just uh, unbelievable and it's unacceptable Excellent. And let's go into practicalities here. So we talk about the last bit where you're explaining, <clears throat> maybe you've done the report of findings and now you're going to make your, your recommendations. Let's talk about objections a little bit. Mm. I find, and I mean, it's maybe different a little bit in, in traditional business and chiropractic practice, or maybe it's not, but I find what's valuable is dealing with these obstacles before you talk about the service, the cost, and rather than trying to deal with it afterwards. Yes. Okay. So I see you agree with that. What, what would you say is a, is a strategy that you can use to bring these obstacles up before you get to that stage that a chiropractor can use in his report of findings? Mm, okay. So that's uh, what we, what we talk about incessantly is the best way to, uh, to uh, deal with objections uh, is not to get them. <laughs> Okay. Absolutely. That's, yeah. yeah. So that, that's number one. Okay. Now, what if you still get them and you've done everything that you could to prevent them, there's still ways to do it, but mm. the odds drop down significantly yeah. at that point. Because the prospect, and this is the other thing that we teach is that even though you may not agree with your client's decisions mm. of not to work with you, you still have to respect them. So mm. a lot of the times when they say no to you at the end, you got to have to I respect that because they've made that decision of no well before they've actually told you no. Hmm. And that's an, uh, a realization that we need to come to terms with immediately. But back to your question, how do we deal with that up front? Well, uh, 
everyone says things to close is, hey, how did you present your finances? Like I, I have clients that call me up, very arrogant sometimes. They're like, hey, so what's your close? Like, what do you mean? What's my close? Like, what's your close? Well, the close is the whole thing. No, no, no. What do you say at the end that gets someone to say yes? I'm like, okay, I, I know who I'm dealing with here. Like you have no clue what this whole thing is about. The close quotes is the entire thing. It's the entire thing from the first interaction that you have with the client lead, new patient, whatever, to the very last thing is the entire process. So that means as Robert, you so eloquently put, how do we uh, deal with objections before they come with objections? Well, number one, I already know that the objections at the end, if I don't do things right, is going to be, it's too much time. It's too much money. Like we already yeah. know that yeah. it, we don't need a, 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 an eight ball to tell us that's what it is. It's absolutely what it is. So how do we deal with that? Well, upfront, I'll tell you one thing that if people don't identify with the problem that they have, it's always going to be too much money. It's always going to take too much time. hundred percent of the time. Now I know all of you are listening have been with patients or if, if you're selling your online business um, courses or whatever you're doing mm -hmm. is that those clients and, and, and uh, that, that leads that come to you it, and the conversation starts like this. Let me, let me ask you if this sounds familiar. So, so what can I help you with? Well, you know, I don't know, like, you know, this is working and that's working. I'm really good with this and I'm really good with that. And, and I, sometimes I, I'm on the phone with these people. And I'm thinking, why are you calling me? <laughs> I mean, are you calling me to just show off how great you are? Okay. I'll give you that. But if I don't lay down and identify a clear problem, the person across from me has, and they don't admit to me that they have a problem, we're done. That is it. So this concept, this practicality is what we call the hot button. Not new. We did not make this up. Okay. In the world of sales, it's called a hot button. So whatever you're selling, whether it be chiropractic care in your offices or in your new online businesses, is that an initial confrontation, we have to identify a hot button. And it's your job to do that. So let me give you an example. Uh, in the chiropractic office, and you guys can extrapolate this in your online businesses. It's all plug and play. It all works the same way. So, so Dan, you know, um, I have a problem with um, um, my spiraling overhead. I have a problem with um, my staff. I hate my staff. Uh, I have a problem with the fact that my new patients are low. I also have a problem with like revenue at the end of the at the end of the day or the week. I have a problem with people saying no to my care. Blah 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 blah. So the question goes like this: Is is Johnny between the X, Y, Z, A, B, C. If you had to just pick one, mm. that's the biggest concern for you. Which one would it be? Now, John, I'm not going to ignore any other concerns. Mm. Okay. I just want to know what's the single biggest problem that you're having right now so that I can direct this conversation. And then STFU. The STFU portion is even more critical than the question itself because so many of you are so uncomfortable with the silence that you answer for them. Landmine number 572 in the world of sales. Do not answer questions for your people because you're trying to lead them and guide them. No, you're manipulating them. You're finishing their sentences for them. And I don't know if any of you men out there, I can only speak on the male perspective, are married. You finish sentences for your angry wife that has a problem. You're camping out in the Tesla. And that's why I have a Tesla because it's a good camping place. I go there. I feel like I'm camping when I kick out of the house, right? We all know on a, on a fundamental relationship level, that is a mistake, but yes, we do it. So hot button, 
narrow them down to one thing. Now, once you have that one thing, you can build a whole conversation around that one thing. And then now that that naturally agitates the problem and gets the problem more front and center where the client now sees, holy crap, Robert, I, this is my problem. Like I never really understood how big the problem was, but this is my problem. Game over, game over. Now you have a shot before that, no shot whatsoever. And it happens all too often because doctors just want to, serve everything and do you, right, i'm talking to chiropractors so do you guys remember student clinic robert do you remember student clinic yeah dude do you remember how long it took us to do like a, a um an onboarding workup we had to opqrst every single checkbox do you remember yeah, yeah. It took two, us like two and a half hours two and a half <laughs> hours it took me four days i guess i was a slow learner just to get them in the clinic to adjust them to get the little slip to say i did my yeah. requirement i was like you know mind blown that's not going to work anymore they confuse minds don't buy. So if we're not narrowing it down to one, that breeds objections because the confused minds don't buy. And when they're confused, they make objections. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the money. That's just one. So that's something you can do right away in your practices. And when you're uh, talking with clients, and I'm sure, Robert, you teach all this just a different way, but fundamentally, it is the same thing. Confused minds don't buy. Don't confuse them. So you're saying that from it, so let's move into for the clinical aspect. Someone comes in, you know, oh, I've got low back pain down the leg. I've got chronic headaches in a, in a situation like that. You would still ask them, what is the major one? I'm not ignoring the others and we're going to get to that, but what is the major one? Now let's say they say, oh, well, the one that's affecting me the most low back pain with uh, radiating down my right leg. Then do you start following up with how that is affecting them in their life? And you go down that route Yes. Um, okay, great. And then do you bring in those other symptoms at, at some point or do you just still zone in on the one that's affecting them the most? On the consultative side, I'm zeroing, zeroing down on one. Okay. okay. I'm just going to back up for a second. Um, when they identify a problem, uh, we know it's affecting their lives. Like no one comes to see us for a lower back pain. They're coming to see us because that particular problem is having some effect on their life. We all yeah. know that as, yes. as what we do. But we can't ask that immediately because that is someone's deepest and darkest. So there has to be some time to massage this and build trust and rapport during the other clinical questioning. When we ask the final question, and there's an appropriate way to ask it, which is outside the scope of this call, to get them to say, hey, you know what? Um, this is affecting me from sitting in the bleachers for more than 20 minutes to watch my, my son's baseball game. Like it takes a lot for a person to admit that. So we don't just ask that right off the bat or God forbid, ask that on a paperwork question. Mike, come on. I mean, yeah. they're and never going to seen that. that. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. Many times. Yeah. Many times. And from a client perspective or a patient perspective, I'm thinking, who are you to ask me these personal I just met you. They won't even put their social security number, <laughs> US, you know, uh, on these things. And did you want them to share with you? Never going to, never going to happen. So anyway, uh, so, so backing up there. So we don't just ask them. We massage it and we build trust. And then they tell us. And then the second part of the question was, I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question? I lost my train of thought. So did I. I have no idea what the second part of my question was. Ah, see, this is what happens when we're getting organic, right? <laughs> I, I believe the um, second part of the question was, uh, once we get that, then we are, we're setting things up. Um, oh, yes, I was asking you about the other stuff. 
the other stuff? Like, when does that come in? Because you you don't want to give the perception that you don't care. I'm thinking like, you know, if you go back in the day, what's your symptoms? Then you tear the sheet up and you go, I don't care about your symptoms. This is what I do. You know, the old right. gold's the way of doing it. Yeah. Um, immediately, you, you could get a very strong emotional action. Yeah, reaction to that. Like, yeah, but that other stuff's important too. So how do you manage that? It's managed during the examination in this clinical setting. Okay. Yeah. So the consult is focused on the hot button and everything else. We call it the, the, the VAPs, the value added propositions or the other clinical things that need to be addressed happens during the examination. And we give that due diligence, right? Uh, yeah. Or in the clinical setting, let's say there's an ancillary concern that you're not dealing, you can't deal with, let's say mm. fallen arches or whatever. Like I don't do feet at all. Mm. I don't do knees. I don't, I don't even touch that stuff. I'm not very good at it. Mm. So I'll make the appropriate referrals during that time. So yeah. all of their concerns are being addressed. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm here to fix one problem that you're telling me that you have, because that's going to have the highest value. In close for Cairo, I'm fixing one problem that a lot of my colleagues in the profession have. Too many people are saying no. They're giving you there too many excuses why they can't start. And now with the whole neuropathy, decompression, high ticket stuff, they, they're getting killed out there because they spent so much stuff, getting the stuff into their offices. And then they, they're in front of a new patient. They can't sell it. And they couldn't sell a $900 US care plan for like 12 visits. And now they're trying to sell a 6,000 plus USD uh, care plan on neuropathy. Like, I don't, I, I just don't get how they thought they can do that. If they are completely not different skill sets, completely, completely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're getting crushed. If you're out there and I'm talking to you, I'm sorry, number one, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, make you feel bad about it, but something has to change. Like you got to learn how to do this, Yeah, you know, and it's not that, he, it's not that hard, just know it's available and you got to learn how to do it. Like you set up anything else. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a skill set. That's, and if you're not willing to invest time and money into learning that skill set, your results will always be the same. Um, Matter of fact, let, let's talk about goals a little bit now. When you have a, a, a patient in front of you, let's use the example of the low back pain down the leg, you need to get an idea of what their goal is or what their ideal scenario is. Um, and from an emotional level that you want them to connect to it as well. So how do you go about understanding what that client truly wants from a goal perspective um, during your, your questioning? Uh, you ask them point blank, you ask them, but it has to be timed. And that's the other thing about the sequencing of this. Mm. Uh, I find that a lot of docs ask, ask the appropriate question, okay, whether it be with their patients or their online business, they ask the appropriate questions. Unfortunately, some of the questions are not asked in the appropriate time. So mm. for this question, and how this is really affecting you, we call it the life effect, how is this affecting mm. your life? A lot of different people have called it different things, okay, life ruin, I've heard or I'm sorry. I, there's so many different ways to say this, but fundamentally it's the same thing. So the question is asked, but only after a certain time has elapsed where the patient has, or the client has accepted that they have a problem and they're given enough time to stew in that time so that now they make the connections in their head. Uh, okay. I understand why this is really bad and this is what's actually happening. Self-talk. And then time properly, and the question goes like this. And if you want the script, you know the book is open. This is mm. this is not under lock and key. 
the script goes like this. Hey, Robert, just so I know whatever we're doing for you actually works for you and you hit your goals. Um, what are some things that this lower back pain, whatever, uh, is preventing you from doing either totally, kinda, or just partially that you have to do, want to do, or need to do? Hmm. Anything? And it's the tonality of that question mm -hmm. is asked flippantly, okay? Flippantly, and tonality matters here. So what I, we I don't noticed want your tonality there straight away, even, even at the end when you went, anything? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we're minimizing the importance of this question because I don't want to be in your face. Like, it's like this, Robert, man, you have such lovely eyes. I love your hair. Even your salt and pepper beard is gorgeous. Marry me. Like, <laughs> that's what it sounds like when chiropractors are asking this question, you know, and we, I know you're laughing because you get it. Yeah. But man, we come off too strong. But, you know, what if someone's, hey, I just got a question for you, like. Is this kind of maybe sort of at some point, even potentially kind of affecting you from doing anything at all, even if it's just a little bit uh, that you have to do, want to do, need to do, you know, anything. And then, of course, that opens the floodgates. Now they're like, oh, let me see anything. You know, actually, this morning I couldn't squat down and, and garden. Mm. Oh, so you like gardening? Like, yeah, that's that's my stress relief. Interesting. Here's the follow up docs. Write this down. OK, Sally, let me just get this straight. If you were to garden whenever you wanted to do and not feel any of this stuff, what would that do for you? Like, is there a, a bigger goal than just to grow peppers? Oh, yeah, dog. That's everyone. All of my girlfriends have a thing. Like some people dance, some people go skydiving. Like, I don't do any of that stuff. I feel like I want my own thing. I feel like mm -hmm. if I don't have my thing, I kind of lose my part of my identity. Got it. Watch out. Do not overreact here. Don't be like, oh my God, that's such a great goal. And start touching them and like hugging them and crying with them. Like, hey, keep it cool. Keep it cool. <laughs> wow. That's a good goal. Okay. Um, garden as you're writing, because you're, when you're writing with them, it's almost contractual. Like this is going to happen. Garden to make your own thing and not lose identity. Hey, you know, so that's a really good goal. Get off of it. So let me ask you a question. In the past month or two, has the problem getting better, worse, the same, the same? And then get off of it. Don't dwell there. And oh my God, Robert, I'm just online. Oh God, this is, we have, I hope we had like a couple hours. But anyway, if you dwell there, then they self-doubt. It's like the same psychology of buyer's remorse. It's like, oh shit, ooh, that was kind of icky. Ooh, ooh. Like avoid all of that stuff by moving off of it and let it just go in. And you know that movie Inception, Robert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that movie, but it's like putting the little top inside the little safe and spinning it. And, you know, you, you're doing that and you're leaving town and letting that seed planted grow. And that's the other thing, man. We don't trust our people that they're going to develop and make the right decisions if everything is set up properly. Like we almost feel like we have to force the issue. And that's impatient. And that takes training, you know, to understand and trust. Oh, you know what? Sally's gonna want to keep gardening. That's why mm. she's here. That's it. No. Oh, Daniel, that's that, that's so much value there. I mean, I, I hope notes are being taken, but just what you said there is a there's massive value in communication. One of the things talking about communication, <clears throat> one of the things that I think a lot of people are scared of. I know I was for a long time. Is silence. Um, and also, what about the question that's 
has, has helped me a lot in practice and in, in different businesses is just the question like, what else? You know, to, to get the person to go deeper, if you feel like there's more to it, would you recommend that? Like asking that question, like what else or anything else so that they move on? Or And, and what is the power of silence that a lot of people are uncomfortable with? What's the, some of the, the, the benefits of using silence appropriately when you're communicating with someone? I don't know if you're going to edit that out. <laughs> that was seven seconds of silence. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Because I, I immediately leaned forward and I was like brought into the present time during that silence. The only person uncomfortable here was you, Robert. The silence is creating a vacuum. Mm. And if you create the vacuum, that means you're drawing other things into you. And like I said it before, we answer questions for our people, which is the opposite of creating a vacuum. You're deterring. So Sally, other than the, the gardening, if you were able to garden, like what would that do for you? Sally is working hard right now. Mm. Sally is trying to figure this out because I'm not interrupting her. Here's another example. The total cost of the care is uh, 3,472. You could break it up into two payments, brings it down to 3442. Or most of my patients like to do in a one-time payment. If you do that, it brings it down to 2972, which way works best for you. That is absolutely an STFU moment. Because your client, patient, prospect, whatever, is doing work in a different part of the brain, mm. trying to figure this out. And when we interrupt them, we're interrupting that whole process because, again, we are not in tune with the perspective of whom we're talking to. Uh, and if we don't allow them to come to terms with that answer and we insert that answer for them, it doesn't become an answer for them, which is why we have a lot of buyer's remorse. We have people who are dropping out of your courses or dropping out of your care after two or three or five visits. Um, they're, they're the week closes and then you make excuses that, oh, that's a weak lead. No, 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 no. No, that wasn't a weak lead. It was a weak sales process. So the power of STFU, as we call it, needs to be trained. And it has to be practiced. Yes. And you're a true master. I'm not done I, yet, I actually... Robert. I'm not done yet, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it's it's your true master at it because I know it's happening, and yet I'm still zoning in on you as, as you do it. It is so so powerful. I don't think I've actually speaking to someone experienced it like that. It, it just brings you in, and like you said, it's a different area of the brain that's getting activated. A quick question at, at the top of my head with with just as it's come up. How many of your doctors delegate the financial aspect to staff members? And is that something that you recommend for, for people or not? That's a great question. Um, for beginners, I'm going to say, no, you can't, you can't delegate what you can't do, hmm. but we have a ton of docs that are enterprise level, multiple associates, multiple staff, multiple locations. 
Uh, those dogs, obviously, we've trained them individually from the top. Mm -hmm. They get really good at it. And then they're able to send their team to us. And we just, I guess, kick the crap out of them for them. And then they get trained. And then they have a system of uh, upkeep and training. And that's what they are really good at, you know. Mm -hmm. So I guess both, you know, um, I've seen it both ways. But ultimately, from the top down, you got to get good at this. And this is a skill that you want to have anyway, because it's mm -hmm. it crosses a lot of boundaries. It's not just for client you know, vendor relationships, but it's also for like, you know, as a CEO of, or a captain of your boat, like these are skills, these are sales mm -hmm. skills. These are relationship skills that again, uh, have applicability across all parts of your business and in your life, except for your wife, they're impervious to a lot of these things. So do not try it on your spouse. Um, yeah. unless it's authentic. Yeah. They, 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 they pick it up easy. They pick it up. Easy. They know, now, they know. Now we, we mentioned, um, uh, Reggie gold earlier and, um, one of his big things I remember seeing him speak years ago is, and I'm not, I can't remember, I'm sure it was him. He would say that the spouse had to be at the report. And uh, there mm. were many coaching companies in, in the 90s, especially that were really pushing that, that you will not get your report unless your spouse or partner comes in. How do you manage that with the the obvious objection, which is quite common, especially in high ticket, is I need to speak to my spouse about that. In um, your system, how do you manage that? Great question. So let's just role play it for the sake of time here. <clears throat> mm. uh, Robert, I agree. I I wouldn't make any decision like this without at least notifying my wife as well. Um, so you're doing the right thing. And by the way, you both have to be on board with this because if you start, I don't want you to start something you can't finish. So mm. this is what we'll do. Let me ask you a question. Is this a matter of if you're going to do this or just how you're going to get this done? How? Got it. Fine. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll get started today. Um, we'll schedule you out. We'll do your first treatment, your first whatever. Um, and then when you go home, talk to, what's your wife's name? Uh, Julie. Yeah, talk to Julie. Get her blessing because I know I need my wife's blessing. And then when you come back later or, or when you come back Thursday, you let me know how it went and which way you want to go. Would that work for you? Mm, works well. Brilliant. Now, what, what if the answer was if? If? I never mm -hmm. get if. But if I did get if, <laughs> if it did, if I'd be like, oh, got it. Hey, listen, Robert, it was really good meeting you. If you ever need me in the future and some, sometime down the road, sometimes it's a timing thing. Sometimes it's, you know, what Julie might say or not say. I totally get it. I want to let you know my doors are always open for you. It was really good meeting you. I'm shaking your hand. I'm walking you. I'm standing you up and I'm walking you to the front door. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. Now, what if it's, it's the, the answer is, we make financial decisions together. Oh, I agree, Robert. I would, I would, I make financial decisions with my wife as well. Okay. But let me ask you a question. If you did go home and this was, you was agreeable that this was something that you needed to do and wanted to do, what do you think she would say? Hmm. Yeah, I think she, I think she, I think she'd want me to do something that is important to me and That's important usually. to my life. Good. That's usually what happens around here. So listen, we'll get you scheduled here. This is just apparently about how we're going to do this with, with mm -hmm. your wife. Don't worry. We'll get everything started today. When you come back next time, just let me know that you informed her and you guys are on the same page and then uh, we'll continue the care there. So grab your stuff. And I treat the first visit as if they just paid me multiple mm -hmm. thousands of dollars to do this. It's called the assumptive close. 
and doing that actually increases what's what Cialdini calls the law of reciprocity. So I mm. gave something to this person and then they're going to go home during their their drive and they're going to justify in their head. I got to do this. I got to do this. I already got something. I got to do this. And then they make a case for it with wife, Julie, mm. instead of. Julie, uh, I went to the chiropractor today and uh, he said that I need to do this. And see, it seems like a lot of money. Like, what do you think? Julie's like, no. Like, what is, that's their job to say no. However, what if Robert went back home to Julie and be like, listen, I went to this chiropractor today and this is the answer. Like, I've been searching for a guy like this for years. Hmm. I don't know why, what took me so long, but this is what happened. Okay. And I, I already had my first visit and I feel like 100% better. Look, I just cleaned the garage that you told me to do two months ago. So we, I got to do this. Julie's like, oh, honey, well, if you got to do this, you got to do this. Yeah. So how much is it? Uh, it's whatever. Okay, well, we'll just take it out of flex spending. We got like a $1,500 in there. So we'll just use that. Okay, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that, honey. Thank you. Comes on Monday. Good to go. Wow. It's not that hard. Really? Yeah, I mean, hard. but but it's it, the way that you do it, where it just flows like that, that has come with practice with training with doing the reps where it's a skill yeah it's, it's a skill that you've practiced over a long long time yeah. um this is brilliant by the way thank you i'm, I'm learning a lot as well oh, cool. uh, and robert just to, just to edit here i have a hard stop at the top of the hour so if you wanted to close it up that's that's absolutely fine um so daniel we're going to end off now um and uh First of all, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've you've shared. This is uh, this will be very high value for everybody that listens. It was high value for me. Um, if we can end off, if somebody is in a in alignment with what you do and they need the skill sets that you offer, what is the best way for them to connect with you and and learn more about what you have to offer? Um, I guess a website is still 2023, right? So yeah, you can visit our website www.closeforcairo.com. Um, and there you can actually book a call with me personally, if you'd like, uh, but just a fair warning about that is we're not looking for dabblers. We're not looking for know-it-alls. Uh, we're looking for people who I've already identified that this is truly a significant problem. If you're closing less than 50% of the cases that are coming in, you have a problem because mm -hmm. in chiropractic, it should be well over that 70, 80%, 90% mm -hmm. of you're really good certainly better than what you're doing. So if you're just kind of checking things out, you know, keep checking it out. Just don't book a call. But if you are one of those people out there who said, you know what, I need to get my stuff together in terms of this. I have need more people to say yes to me. Um, I, I have so much to offer. They're keep saying no to me. I don't understand it. If you're that person, smash that book a call button, book a call with me, and then we'll go walk through the process together. Mm. Um, and everyone else, I'm all over Instagram, TikTok, whatever. You'll find me anywhere. Just Google me and you'll find me there. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna end off there. Daniel, thanks again. And uh I'm gonna actually get you on the show again because I want to learn more about communication and, and ethical influence. So uh, I look forward to it, Robert. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Daniel. Okay, thank you. Bye bye, Robert. Bye bye.